we've lost an opportunity now to demand or, or to ask of our of our candidates and our respective writings, like what is the government's plan? Because I'm headed back into a lockdown and I don't know what's going to happen with these with these benefits. And I think people who are working, who have been opposed to these benefits, also don't have the opportunity to say, like, what are you what are you going to do? Welcome to the Ballot Box. Welcome back to a very, very, very special Thursday morning edition of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. We are recording this at 9.30 on Wednesday night for those who are keeping score. This is hours after Jason Kenney, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, Tyler Shandro, Alberta Health Minister, and a representative from the Alberta Health Services came out and introduced new measures into the province around COVID-19. We are four days away from election day. We are with, as always, my yin to my yang, my political rival, my Jerry Byrne to my Scott Reed, Miss Jen Sanford. Thank you so much for doing this so late at night. I'm here, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Chris. Um, I, I think we have to rip the Band-Aid right off the bat. Um, Jason Kenney came out six o'clock this afternoon or Wednesday night and announced that the province was going into basically a lockdown without a lockdown. Uh, there are still measures that are going to be in place that people are still going to be able to move freely, but they are going to be reducing the amount of people that you're going to be able to be with. And then also without actually calling it a vaccine passport, introduced a vaccine passport. Your thoughts, your thoughts on the first initial reaction to this press conference at six o'clock this evening there, Jen. Uh, so like so many people, I heard about the presser at six o'clock on Twitter and I thought, well, this probably isn't going to be good, right? This is going to be nasty. Um, I didn't expect the, the numbers to be as high as they were. And certainly to think that Canada had 24 deaths and Alberta had 24 deaths. Um, that's just, that's so unfortunate for people who survived a pandemic for so long, only to, only to succumb at the fourth wave and, and certainly my my heart breaks for those people in those positions and those family members who, you know, you know, we made it so far and to, to have more loss of life at this stage is, um, ah, it's terrible. Um, I don't know where to start, Chris, honestly. Let, let, let's, I, start, I, let's start with this because I think this was the biggest uh, bombshell that came out of this was the quote unquote vaccine passports. Um, Jason Kenney has been uh, delaying this. And this is from my personal opinion. And I, I see Jen, this is an audio version only show. So you will not be able to see the video because we are not dressed to impress today. Um, but no. um, the vaccine passport, in my opinion, was the biggest news out of that press conference. Yet again, the apology that Jason Kenney gave, the apology that D Dr. Dina Hinshaw gave, we'll talk about that later on. But out of the news, Businesses will now be able to have pa uh, vaccine passports. The uh, AHS will be uh, giving them out. It, I'm not sure what exactly they called them. I don't have the words in front of me right now, but it was the basic vaccine passport. Was this inevitable? Was this something that Jason Kenney, no matter how long he had to drag his feet, he had to bring in no matter what? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't understand, frankly, the fuss about this, this, this documentation or passport, but I've certainly been on the receiving end of how complicated it is when you don't have a national program. Um, I've shared with you this with you anecdotally. I was just in France and I... <laughs> I, I took the train from Switzerland into France and was completely unprepared for what I was up against uh, when I arrived and, and how militant their, their, their passport, their vaccine passport is, um, or vaccine, it's called a pass de santé, a health pass basically. And if you want to get in an Uber, if you want to walk into a restaurant, if you need to get into a public elevator, you need to show your pass de santé and you, you get a pass de santé when you show that you've had two vaccines. So there I am in, in France, um, trying to find one of these centers that can give me a pass de santé so that I can like eat and move around. And I show this one document from uh, a mat from the Tells Convention Center, the mass vaccination site. And then I have this other letter that totally to its credit looks absolutely fake from a pharmacy that says I received a second dose. And you just present these two pieces of paper and say, gee, I hope I look honest. And you realize, wouldn't this have been easier if I had something with like the, the federal Canadian you know, insignia on it and it looked official and it was laminated and I could say, this is what I have or something on my phone with a barcode or something. So you really realize how much other countries have mobilized toward this being like a pay to play document and Canada not even realizing that its citizens one day will want to travel. So this idea of, of not having some uniform documentation feels crazy to me because if we align it to this, you know, majestic world of constitutional rights, if you don't want to have a pass, don't have a pass. Just don't go anywhere. Just understand the limitations of this. And and if you do want to have a pass, then you have then you have some sort of a documentation. And then I think there needs to be some milieu for people like you who want to be vaccinated. But cannot on Wednesday, be next Wednesday, I get my first <laughs> shot. My doctor's approved well, my first shot. So I will I will be on the road and I will be getting that one hundred dollar uh, credit card from Miss Jason Kenny afterwards as well. <laughs> I think you call him Miss Jason Getty. Um, so yeah, so great congratulations. And I think, you know, I know that you've wanted to be amongst the the vaccinated um for some time. So uh I, I just think that having something formalized for businesses to be able to do what they want to do and and for people to have something. I've been a big believer that if you don't want to be vaccinated, uh, we have a responsibility to to respect your right to do so, but not before we put the full onslaught of real information, persuasive communication, social pressure and and every other thing, whatever we need to do to convince you to be vaccinated. But if you choose not to be vaccinated, first of all, get away from me. And secondly, there has to be limitations of your of, of what you can and cannot do. That it's just it's just the way it has to be. And I think that that falls well within the why why does it have to be that way? Because I'm gonna play the conservative on this issue and I'm very shocked that are you okay? Like I know what is this all about? The conservative like me podcast host is being schooled by the liberal like me podcast host somewhat. (laughs) Um, I wanna know because our constitution gives us the right to freedom of uh, uh, movement. We are able to move, we are able to worship, we're able to do things without showing proper documentation. Yes, there are things that the government can implement. Yes, the driver's license. I will agree that the driver's license is something like gun license. Yes, okay, that's great. But we do not need to show vaccine that I've got my vaccine for mumps. I don't need to show, and yet again, mumps is relatively up there. Measles, yeah, measles is the most contagious. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Exactly, I think what I'm- Let's talk about that because I'm looking at it from the people who are not getting vaccinated. I'm looking at it as from the perspective, and don't get me 
wrong. I fucking hate these assholes who aren't getting vaccinated and cause my fucking surgery for my fucking cancer to get pushed off. I got the call Sunday night to get pushed off. I'm pissed. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to stick up for these people, but I'm also looking at it from both sides here. They don't want to have to carry a passport, which is understandable. You don't want to don't get one. Don't move. But we do have a duty to actually allow people to do what they want in our country. Yeah, I absolutely. And I, and I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in like, I have the, Oh, you can't see it. Sorry. I have a original, I have one of the, one of the seventies copies of the, uh, of charter rights and freedoms. And I keep it near me just as a nice reminder that this is what we, this is what we all tried to agree to once upon a time. Let me be impeccable with my word that what I'm saying is not that one group be restricted and one group be permissible. I'm just saying that we provide a different choice architecture based on the state of your vaccination. So if you are fully vaccinated, there's a ticket to ride for you. When you go to get on an aircraft, when you go to go to a concert, when you go to a funeral, when you go to a wedding, it's just a little bit easier for you to do these things because we've created an architecture that says you've done the work. Here's your Here's your here's your world that's presented to you. What I'm saying is that for those who choose to be unvaccinated, we still want to respect their rights, but we also have the opportunity to put a different choice architecture in place for them to understand the ramifications of their choice. First of all, their participation and disinformation. I think one of the greatest ones is people who are like, I want to have a baby, so I'm not going to be vaccinated. Show me the research. We're begging pregnant women to get vaccinated at this point. It's 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 at, look at that woman who's who died, but her baby lived. That child will now never know what it is like to grow up with a mother because that person was like, I'm going to roll the dice and roll the dice in the wrong direction. Believe me, there's due diligence happening here. Pfizer, biotech, they would know the massive lawsuits. Look at the American government who threw a through a, a trip waiver owns the patent now to this to this vaccine they would they'd crater the american economy if there was such reckless lack of due diligence toward causing such a, a wide amount of harm by giving this vaccine before it had proper testing so i think that we have to look concretely at the information that's in front of us and coming sorry i'm digressing but what i'm saying is we're saying if you want to attend this funeral if you want to attend this wedding if you want to go to this concert then you have to go get a pcr test or an antigen test and we're just going to put you in these different architectures of testing and put you in these different architectures of of of, of having to do other due diligence efforts until we can get rid of COVID-19. I think the great concern that we have is that if we set up these these mandates, that then we're we're moving away from our constitutional rights. And I don't think that's necessarily the case, because what we're talking about is we're setting up a temporary choice infrastructure that says you are still permitted to do all of these things, but there are just different barriers for you to participate in them. The freedom of okay. movement remains, but all I'm of the stop <laughs> points exist. I'm going to say something here and I'm going to play devil's advocate because I love playing that on my, uh, my show. Um, temporary use the word temporary. Anyone in their right mind has heard temporary from every single politician ever. We're temporarily going to have a GST. We're temporarily going to have this. We're temporarily <laughs> going to have yeah. this tax. So when people hear the word temporary come out of Jason Kenney's mouth, they're harping back to every conservative, every liberal, every politician who has ever said we're every politician of every. Strike. Exactly. We're temporarily going to have this. So I, I understand their frustration because nothing is ever temporary when it comes to politics. There's usually something that gets introduced and it continues on. I, I, I am hard 
pressed to believe that this is going to be a temporary thing. COVID's with us. COVID is not going away. We are going to have to get a third booster shot. There's potential that we're going to have to get one every year. There are people in this country, politicians included, who do not like vaccines. I have spoken to municipal leaders who say, I do not get my vaccines because I do not believe in putting in chemicals into my body that I don't know what they are. Politicians from all stripes are giving out miscommunications. We have a party leader currently, and I hate to use him as the the poster boy for misinformation, but Maxine Bernier is going around saying that vaccine passports are akin to the Holocaust. People, Jews were rounded up in the streets. They had to have passports. I hate that analogy. Anyone who uses that analogy needs to stop it right now and just walk away. So temporary, I get it. I want it to be temporary, but I can see from the flip side that temporary never is temporary when it comes to politics. On the flip side as well. No one is more wary. No one is more wary of disaster capitalism more than me. I think when Krista Freeland said the COVID is a great opportunity for us to realign the government. I've watched what Justin Trudeau has done at the federal level to sort of legislate from the bench and to bring everything into the PMO and to totally do a disservice and a disrespect to the nature of parliament. So I get it. And I get that we should all be wary of it. And there's never been lower public trust and confidence in our political leadership. That's been well polled by every major PR firm in Canada and the U S alike. So I get that totally. That's why I can. Oh, and on the Bernie issue, I'm not interested in the musings of a man who's polling at 2%. You and I have been fighting about this over Uh, Twitter for a week. I can't wait to take your ass down on Monday when it's a total nothing burger and we all just move on. But I, I I think what we, (laughs) now you're all wishing at home that this was that you could see the video of this because Chris is bouncing around that chair, like captain kangaroo. Um, It's uh, yes. I'm not interested in the musings of, of Bexine Bernier. Uh, There are, there are moments where Maxine Bernie says things and I'm like, oh, yeah, actually, I, I'm, I'm happy he's holding that to account on the vaccine issue. I think it's just finding his tri- false efforts to find his tribe. That's why I'm using words like choice architecture. That's why I'm using words like how do we say you're both going to have entrance to this one place? The journey for the vaccinated is a straight shot in the journey for the unvaccinated is riddled with consequences. You have to go through door number one, door number two, but you still have access. It 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 recognizes and respects their their constitutional rights, but also establishes our rights to freedom and our right to safety and security as people who are trying to stay safe. And I think that the big problem with this is, is that everybody all of a sudden overnight has become these constitutional experts. I'm hearing people who are fundamentally insane being like, I, let me tell you about my constitutional rights. Yikes. We have to understand that there's a big difference between saying there's, there's, there's a way forward for, for one group and no way forward for the other group that does, that does, that is a violation of your, of your rights and freedoms. But by saying we're we're just creating a two tier system where the people who are vaccinated are recognized as fundamentally safer to society and those who are unvaccinated needing another path for their own safety and the safety of others doesn't mean that they don't get to the same end gate. It just means that there's a different system that's established for them and And rightfully so. 11 percent of the voters of Canada who are voting People's Party of Canada in this. Oh, my God, that number is inflated. Hey, we will find out on September 20th for those 11 percent, for those those that percentage of group of people, whoever they are, however big they are, 
they have just heard three words out of your mouth that has officially pissed them off. Two tiers of people. We are now in a system of Canada where we have the unvaccinated and vaccinated. I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm agreeing with some of the things you're saying. But at the same time, I've got to say, we are Canadians. You are all for one Canada. You're, you were pissed off when Bill 21 was introduced in the Quebec legislature and became two yes. Canada's. And now you're I even I you, believe the podcast episode is even called <laughs> One Canada is Over. So exactly. Yeah, no. So now you're saying you're okay with one Canada officially being over because I'm not, I still believe in the good of people that they will do the right thing and get vaccinated. Yes. We have not seen that 30% of people in Alberta who haven't, I do not understand why they are so apprehensive. I do not understand. And I, I have not sat down with them. I had one person here talk to me and say, he has not got vaccinated. He will not get vaccinated because he knows doctors are killing patients who have COVID. It's not COVID who's killing people. It's the doctors who are killing them. That's what he said to me. 20 minutes later, he did say that cancer wasn't real, but that's here nor there. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that That interview was off the rails, man. That yeah. interview was like the with the president and the CEO of Fantasyland. Listen, let me be, let me be very, let me try to be, first of all, let me just say, this is why I hate podcasting with you late at night. This is why you're too, you're too, you're too something. But what I'm wow, trying to say wow. is Wow, what were you going to say? Too gay? Wow. <laughs> wow. Too, Will you stop it? Don't. That'll be the soundbite. Oh my God. I love Chris just as he is. I'm an ally. Oh my God. Everybody stop. Everybody calm you down. You and Kevin. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. It's Kyle. So, okay. So what, what I'm trying to say here is that um, I think let's not conflate this, this, this PPC. PPC is tapping into a distrust and an anger and a, and a fuel discontentment with the government as a whole and a lack of adjudicating the world through the lens of common sense and a world where we don't have this political posturing and puffery and all those things. Um, if it wasn't going to be vaccines, it would be something else. It would be the economy. It would be trade. It would be something. Um, that's what's being tapped into at the at the PPC. And this vaccine thing kind of falls right on your lap because it's a it's a great way of saying that it's a it's a huge example of government overreach, which, you know, I have a problem with with the prime minister. So let's not complete that issue. I do believe that all Canadians are equal, but I but I do believe that we for the safety and protection of our citizens we have to have a straightforward path for those who are vaccinated and then we have to have a different level of discourse with the unvaccinated this is what drives me crazy is that it's even this conversation that you and i are having it doesn't really get to the heart of the matter and this is why i kind of like what o'toole is saying but i wish he could say it a little bit better O'Toole's drumbeat has been, I want people to be vaccinated. I want you to get vaccinated. I believe that vaccinations are safe. I want you to have access to them. I want you to ask questions about vaccines and I want you to be vaccinated. Forcing you to be vaccinated is not the right way forward. Convincing you to be vaccinated and encouraging you to be vaccinated and letting the self-efficacy of you trusting the system to be vaccinated should be our ultimate goal. Sadly, O'Toole struggles to get the second half of that message, um, you know, out in a way that that makes us un truly understand what he's trying to say and 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 closes uh, 
types or arguments otherwise from the other parties. I like that message. I think why aren't we talking about the fact that there are some of the most seasoned and 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 innovative communications and public relations people in this country that were ready to be engaged in this and weren't. You're a PR person. I'm a PR person. We know the calm world. Where were the communicators to be part of this? Disinformation flooded this. Then it became about anger. Then it became about forcing people to do it. Then it became about this reckless rhetoric that you and I are having about this two tier of Canadians. The bigger question we have to be asking is how do we tap into what will it take to get these unvaccinated people vaccinated? We're pissed off that we gave them money. I chiefly am among that group because I think it disenfranchises the people who lined up, especially those people with such crippling social anxiety to go and do it. People who were afraid, people who cried when they got the vaccine as grown people, but did it anyway. It's so disingenuous to them. But what will it take? What do we have to do? So long as we are having conversations at them, we are never transferring the full self-efficacy to convince them to do this. We're not having conversations with them. And that is the argument we need to make. And I don't want it for as much as it's you know somehow enriching to hear Jason Kenney apologize. I don't want to hear Jason Kenney apologize that this, thir- this fourth wave is off the rails. I want him to tell me what he's going to do to get this 30% of outliers totally vaccinated. And I I think you also have to look at the percentage of Canadians that only got one vaccine. What happened with those? We had those people and now we can't get them to the finish line. So those two populations of people, what are we going to do about them? Like these are the conversations we should be having on these podcasts and uh, and other forums and Twitter, not just, you know, you're a shit bag if you're not you vaccinated. You need to resign, it's you like, need to what? resign the so on so forth, right? Like what is going on that we can't get these people vaccinated? What will it take? Because so long as we yell at them and 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 judge them and criticize them, all we're doing is creating these attributions that force them more into believing and holding true their belief, which is not rooted in science or fact or logic or reason or respect. I, I uh, how do I put this nicely? We are never I don't think going you're to. Gonna. We are never going to get up to 100 percent. I I think anyone who thinks we're going to get to 90 percent is blowing smoke up someone's ass. No, but we are an educated, we are an educated, informed, this province, if we localize it again to this province, we are educated, we're enterprising, and we're informed. What gives? We can get closer than where we are. What gives is people don't trust. We are living in a world where the government was slow to react. Federal, provincial, municipal, all were slow to react to this pandemic. It's not all- even we react. Then we then we told people don't, you know, you have to sacrifice and lock down. And then half the Alberta cabinet went to Mexico and Hawaii. And, well, like, and that's the other thing, it's right? The total, it's the total violation of, you know, <laughs> say what I say or do what I say, not what I do. Is that the expression? Am I there, that right? it, there is a lack of trust between the people of this province and the leadership of this country, this province and this municipality, even here in the city of Calgary. Yes. I don't know what yes. the number here is in the city. But I, I, I honestly believe there are voices in this on Twitter, on social media, in the public who are anti-vaccine, just plain and simple, plain and simple, not even just yep. plain and simple like vaccine, COVID vaccine, but vaccine for everything. We have people who think that if you uh, uh, vac- vaccinate your newborn children, they're going to get autism. 
it, we had Jenny McCarthy. The yeah, I was just going to say, thanks, Jenny McCarthy. Exactly. We have people who have made their life out of misinformation. And it is harder to untell a lie than it is to tell a truth over and over again. So once someone believes something, it is hard to change their mind. I believe 11% of the people of Canada will vote for the PPC. You think I'm wrong. I think I'm right. I am going to be wrong or I'm going to be right. And I will wait till that that information is proven false or correct. I think there's people in this province who are seeing people die from the vaccine and they are looking at that number. Even if it's a minute number of 2%, they are looking at that because they were told that if you get the vaccine, you will get a blood clot. You will die. There are people who say the, the vaccine is worse than the actual COVID. And there are people out there who believe that because the lie that they were told is the lie. And that is the way that the world works. We are living in a world of misinformation. And no matter what, even if Aaron O'Toole was prime minister today, he would not be able to get to 90%. If Rachel Notley was premier of Alberta, we would not be in this. We would be in the exact same situation. Want to know why? Because people believe lies before they believe the truth. A, a lie well, takes we've also seven had to... seconds to run around the world. And well, the we've truth... also... We've also had the transference. I know what you're saying. I don't disagree with your argument, but we've also had the transference of social influencers, what we call the rise of social proof theory. Oh, I'm getting deep today. With the rise of social proof theory and, and, and communications like rhetoricians like me, we study this. We study this academically. It's the, the rise of, uh, I'll use an example with toothpaste. You know, once upon a time, it was, um, you know, four to five dentists say use Crest. And we were like, well, we take the advice of dentists, right? Because we see them as the preeminent influencer because they are the authority. Then we saw this transference as governments became less, less popular in the, in the 70s of four out of five moms want you to use this toothpaste because we isolated to the family unit where we look to find influencers in the people who had raised us, people who were models of society, right? Then we went through a period where it was like, you know, four out of five of your peers want you to use this dentist. And it became about how do we create this false sense of conformity around having people dress the same, look the same and do the same thing. And we, you know, we equate that into the world of toothpaste because it becomes more about influence. In the last five years, we've had a complete shift to what we call these false prophets, right? Now it's Kylie Jenner wants you to use this toothpaste because Kylie Jenner is hot and has 5 billion followers on Instagram. And what did we do? We're like, I got to get that Kylie Jenner toothpaste. So I think we also have to look at the change of community influencers that once upon a time, we look to the government, then we look to experts, but now day to day, we look to our community and we look to people of influence. And when you have people of influence who are also people of disinformation, I think of in the conservative movement, my God, aren't we dogged by this in the United States? We've got Tucker Carlson. Something's wrong with that guy. That bow tie is too tight. And then in Canada, we've got the Ezra Levance. We've got, um, you know, the Maxim We've got the Derek Sloans. We've got the Derek Fildebrands. They're they're in this movement as these false prophet influencers, and they, th this is, I think, a contributing force here that that needs to be looked at. But of course, we're not having this conversation because we all just get on Twitter and it's this trash can of. I hate you and you're a bad person and everybody just tries to go to their corner. There's no, there's no effort. There's no campaigns to, 
to, to go to, like, I think give me a hundred dollars if I can find an anti-vax person and get them vaccinated, send me a hundred dollars, just flip the system because we've, we've got to take vaccinated people and say, not what's wrong with you. Why won't you be vaccinated? We've got to say, and I've, and I've said this out, I've said this numerous times when someone's like, I'm not vaccinated. And then people kind of want to charge at them. And I just wait for all the, you know, all the octane to come out of the conversation. And then I say, what would it take for me right now to convince you to get vaccinated? What will it take? Let's have a real, let's have a real meaningful conversation about it. And what do you think? Let's line up your facts. Well, I've had these conversations and they talk about their information and I talk about my information. And the more we have, you know, this, this effort of civility, there have been moments where people have said, you know what, I, I think I'm just scared or like when you get to the root of it, then you realize that, and then put your money where your mouth is. I've said to people who have just said, you know what, I'm just even panicked about, I don't even know where to go. And it's like, I'll take you, I'll take you. And then I'll buy you breakfast. And I've replicated this before. So I'm 9,000% sure that my neighbor, who I have talked to on numerous occasions, does not listen to my show. So I'm okay with uh, giving out this analogy. Um, I, uh, at the beginning of this pandemic, I, I've been open about this and I, I, I caught it. I had COVID-19. Like if, if there's a disease out there, my husband says, I will catch it within five minutes of it being airborne because <laughs> I, I, I have the worst luck of every, anyone possible. So I had, it. um, I talked to my neighbor and I will, he will remain nameless because I have neighbors on four sides of me. So I can, I can have plausible deniability about who I'm talking about, but he came up to me and I asked him, are you vaccinated? He said, no, my wife is, but I am not going to get it. I have been listening to Fox news and they have been pushing this miracle drug that I have ordered from America and I am going to use it. And I said, but do you know what's in it? No, but the people on the television tell me it's going to work better than COVID-19 and it's going to boost my X, Y, and Z chromosomes or whatever. And this is how I'm going to do it. And I said, are you sure? Like, do you want to get vaccinated? Why are you not getting vaccinated? Because I don't know what's in it and it's being rushed to market. People have rushed this to market so fast that people are concerned about what's actually in it. And I I give credit where credit's due because they did rush this. We can't find a fucking cure for cancer. We can't find a fucking cure for AIDS, but yet we can find a cure for COVID-19 in 17 months. God bless this world. I love it. But let's be honest. People are in that category. There is probably a large portion of this country who just do not believe that this is a safe medicine to take and inject into your body. So... I, 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 you could talk to the, my neighbor till the day is done and he will still be in his camp. He will completely say he will never get it. His wife has got the vaccine. His kids have gotten the vaccine. He will not get it because he heard on Fox news, the miracle drug will cure COVID-19 over the vaccine. Yeah. So you have those in your community. I have those in my family. Um, and oh, my, my grandmother's like that. 
I mean, tenants of a person of an older age. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, grandma's listening. This is not good for grandma now. Listen, tenants of adaptive leadership would tell us that just because we encounter those situations doesn't mean we we don't quit talking about it. I mean, we can acknowledge that it is a government failure. Any policy person listening would say that this is a classic principal agent problem. Um, And and the ownership of the government is to say, like, how do we how do we hold this to account? Of course, this is this is a rushed this is a rushed thing. It's, it's like any illness, look at Ebola, like look at the rush there. Um, but unlike AIDS and cancer, this is a, a type of illness that in the past we've been able to develop vaccines for. So there's a, there's a historical model here that, that we can rely on versus, you know, an illness like, um, like cancer that we just, it's a different bird. So I just I, think I, that we just can, for those oh, who are listening, I just want to make sure that I'm not trying to say that we need to come up with a cure for cancer and vaccine like we did for COVID-19. Yet again, we should, but we there should. are people out there are people out there who are very concerned that we rush this to market. There was no quote unquote, I'm using their words, proper testing to ensure that this is safe. And when people were dying, people were dying. And And I think, you know, there's, it's important to have a healthy skepticism. I would rather try to figure out how to communicate to a population than to just have a bunch of sheep that just do whatever with no, I mean, you know, you've heard me say this on your podcast before power without constraint is abuse. And in certain cases, our ability to say, whoa, 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 Kenny will attest to this, our ability to say, whoa, whoa, let's, Let's just have some critical thinking. These are some questions that I have as a citizen. You know, that falls into our responsibility as citizens to do that. But what I'm saying is that this falls to the government and to civic society to have had a greater campaign around disinformation. It's not enough to just see those billboards and say the vaccine is safe. It needed to be a far more coordinated public relations effort. And I think that communicators like you and I will be dissecting this at every possible conference and meeting we will have, because I think ultimately this went from being a, a medical problem to a public relations problem very quickly. And it was never recognized for the public relations challenge. It was going to be. I, I, I and I think, think that's a failure of the government federally and provincially. Yes, I agree, because I think there was a miscommunication and the uh, there was a really big, uh, trip over their own shoes before they even got out the door because when the three uh, uh, vaccines were put out, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca, or four, they were put out and then the government said, well, we can't give you AstraZeneca now after giving it to people because it's the one that's causing more blood clots. So then people were skeptics that, okay, I got AstraZeneca, so I'm not going to get another one. And then there was the Johnson and Johnson. It got rushed to market. Oh, we're not going to bring it to Canada because it might give you blood clots. So there is, even within the government, the government needs to know what they're doing before they start putting this out. They need to sit down with people like Jen and myself. And there's probably a lot more people smarter than me. I will be the first to admit that who probably know how to do a vaccine rollout or a, a health rollout on a national scale or a world scale and say, okay, what ones are we going with? Are we just going with Pfizer and Moderna? Are we going with all four? How do we do this? Because once people saw that the government put out and then started taking back, that's when I saw the erosion of trust between the public and the federal government. 
Yeah. And I think this is what happens when you don't put PR people at the table, at the decision-making table, right? Like medical, everybody to go government, everybody to go health layout procurement PR. What do you think? And for PR to say, I think we have too many unanswered questions on AstraZeneca. We need to, we need, we need to hold, we need to hold. We can't, we can't, will erode public trust and confidence to a degree that we can't roll back from. And I think it will ultimately affect our overall vaccination rates. Like where were the PR people? This is what always bugs me. Like you and I talk about this all the time is that it isn't like, Hey, we've made a decision now send out a PR hack to, to communicate it. Public relations people need to be at the table and, and being part of these conversations that are happening because we understand public attitude, public trust and confidence and, and, and how things are likely to play out in a media narrative. And I just think that it was such a missed opportunity that ultimately degraded the entire vaccine rollout. And you've heard me also say this on your podcast. I thought this was going to be like the great thing that was going to bring us all together. I really did think when we, when we rolled out this vaccine program, we were all going to be like, look at us. It's going to be like when we won the war, it was going to be like, look at all of us. And instead it just ripped us apart, right? Neighbors reporting neighbors that people don't talk to people now and everybody's mad. And you know, it's, 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 there's vitriol in our elections and Oh, what a mess. What a mess. Hey, can we talk about Trudeau now? Because he's let's do it because uh, Hey, we, 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 we haven't even got to the biggest thing about the, uh, this tonight's uh, debate. We'll talk about Trudeau in a few seconds, but let's go back to the provincial announcement at six o'clock this morning, this afternoon, I should say literally four hours ago <laughs> as we're recording this um there was speculation that someone's head was going to roll uh on january 1st or before january 1st jason kenny came out with his open for summer campaign his slogan he had his we are moving from a pandemic to an endemic i don't know what that fucking means but anyway that's the way that they used it and they're gonna oh, we're gonna she session start, she covery exactly oh, we're gonna start talking about summer. the end of this pandemic and we're going to move into it and we're not going to have any more lockdowns or restrictions i was shocked that shandro hinshaw and kenny all came out today i will be honest i thought someone was going to lose their job over this um there was speculation that kenny was going to resign because of caucus revolt there was speculation that hinshaw was going to resign because she no longer has the trust of the public and then there was a chance that shandro had to be shuffled out because shandro's just being shandro I'm shocked that Hinshaw is still in that position. I'm shocked that that was not the news that we got today, that a new person was going into that position. Um, I think it was a double-edged sword if he did or didn't cut her, but he didn't. He has the trust, which when I heard that, I went, oh, give it a week because someone's going to go if they have full trust and confidence in that person's position. I think Justin Trudeau was the king of that when he started talking about Jody Wilson-Raybould. So... <laughs> With that, I was shocked. Were you surprised that all three of them survived today? Uh, yes, yes. But I don't think that this is an issue of survival. I think this is now an issue of respect for Canadians. Uh, the game that we play here is who who is accountable versus who is responsible. So let's just take Shandro out of the equation because all he is 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 a talking head and a poor one at that. He's a he's a part of the cabinet. What a mess. This comes down to the game of 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 Hinshaw and and Kenny and who is accountable versus who is responsible. 
And I, I, I want to be clear that I'm not saying this because people listening will be like, she's a conservative. Of course, she's going to say this. But I say this through the lens of this. Who is the medical expert? Who brings to the table the medical guidance? Hinshaw. Hinshaw had a responsibility to Canadians not to get up and do what she did today, which was try to what hold back tears. No, thank you. No, ma'am. She had a responsibility to announce her immediate resignation and to apologize to Canadians that her medical guidance did not ensure like at some point these deaths are directly on her. And I think that it all comes down to the adjudication of this open for summer initiative. What really happened there? And I think that Drew Barnes actually tried to find out. And I think part of the revolt of Jason Kenney's leadership was that they really wanted to know in this open for summer. It's time for Albertans to know. Did Hinshaw say to Kenny too soon or did she say this is my guidance and then he made a different plan? She didn't fight back. This is what I want to know. I think because a lot if of people she, want to know that. Go ahead. Yeah, I think I think we have a right to know that. But I do believe that regardless. I do, so we I want to know that. But I believe regardless of that, 24 deaths today, a, f- a fourth wave that has put us all in that. Didn't that little alert just scare the shit out of you? I was like when it came up on my phone, I was just like, oh, this feels now too serious. I was and in we're the moving middle of the interview now. when that when that popped up. So I was like, whoa, oh, God, whoa. And the and now we're back to more economic instability. Um, and and I think the, the the question becomes, if we're just looking at life or death, Hinshaw had a responsibility to resign today that and that should have been her announcement. So I'm going to look at it as a, another way. So I think everyone is in the same opinion that you are. We want to know what Hinshaw's recommendation was prior to that open for summer announcement on the overlooking the legislature in Edmonton. I think a lot of people want to know that if the recommendation from Hinshaw to Kenny and the cabinet committee was it is too soon. And Kenny went ahead. Hinshaw should have said, I do not have the trust and the faith in the government. I need to resign. She should have done just going to say, I was just going to say that both both things, it's like that choose your own adventure game and both both end poorly for her, because you're absolutely right. If she said, yes, let's open up, then that was poor medical guidance. You're out. If she said no, you can't open up and then allowed the government to open up. She had a responsibility then to resign to say my medical recommendations are not being heard by this government. I'm out. So both in both ways, it was a discredit to Albertans. And in both ways, for that reason, she should resign. I, I agree. I think if 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 I'm going to put it back on to Jason Kenny a little bit here, because I know you were for those who are listening and they're going, oh, he's the liberal. Oh, those lefties, those commies. I don't know why I'm a fucking 80 who gangster listed, here. Who, who is that? The population listening to this podcast? I got to totally the 55 and olders um, <laughs> for those. Kenny has is the leader. He is the final say on every issue that comes out of this government, on everything that happens. He is the final say of what happens and what doesn't happen. He has some responsibility over those deaths as well. He was on vacation. He was on vacation for four weeks, three weeks, however long. The beginning of this campaign, federal campaign, he was MIA. The fourth wave did not start in September when he got back to work. It started in August. 
it was going on during this election period. We'll talk about Justin Trudeau here because I see uh, Jen is nodding right now. But Jason Kenny, I was going to say Aaron O'Toole, Jason Kenny has responsibility on these deaths as well. And we're talking about 24 deaths today. We're not talking about the 18 that happened yesterday, the 16 that happened this week. There have been more deaths in this month than all of the third wave combined. That's we, this, con- this province is going into a tailspin. Our, our health system is being overloaded. We are literally asking other provinces to send help. You think they have resources to spare right now? No, because we're in a fourth fucking wave. I'm sorry, I'm getting heated about this. And I just got to say, Jason Kenny has some responsibility on this as well. It is not, not all up to Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Dina Hinshaw is the medical advice. If Kenny is not listening to her, then he needs to get rid of her and put in someone that he trusts. And at the end of the day, this announcement should have came up at the beginning of August when the fourth wave started. That is my piece on that statement. Go ahead, Jen. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we knew that this open for summer wasn't a total rebuke of COVID. This open for summer was because we were hemorrhaging economically. We couldn't we couldn't hold it any longer. We you know, the the moral trade off that Kenny had to make was how bad could the modeling be versus how bad could the economic modeling be? And he chose to say we're going for it now. That's the choice he made. And what we know to be true is that we're awfully close to 2023. And now this party will do what it does best. Eat itself alive. I'm not necessarily worried about the vitriol of Albertans. We have a long time before we go to the polls. But what I am pretty confident about is that inside that party, she's going to get real nasty. Who are Kenny's friends that are left? Shandro's own children are being accosted in public spaces. Layla here is like, I'll fight you in the street because you, you know, because I stood up to you and you, you know, held me to a consequence. And now I'm fighting for my writing. Drew Barnes press releases out already. You're done. You're out. Get out. You're done. I think you're going to see Angela Pitt in the morning. Like it's this party will eat itself alive. And I think that that will be ultimately what will be the fate of Jason Kenney is his complete inability to, to, to govern now. And I'll say what I've said before, which is that we I think we always knew that the leadership of Alberta was a pivot stone for him to become the prime minister of Canada as the, as the leader of the CPC. Now that that dream is all faded away. What really is his incentive to continue to govern? Um, At some point, if he really truly is a conservative and wants a conservative movement, he's got to get another player in, in place um, so that they have a fighting chance to maintain the government of power in 2023. Now, that being said, there's not a lot of depth in that bench, right? Think of, think about who's in the UCP now. Who would you like to be the Who would you like to be the premier from the from the current slate of UCP people? Because I'm honestly, I'm looking at a map right as I'm talking to you. Honestly, I have two in my mind right now. Really? Who? Whom? Yeah. Who? I, whom? I hear. I whom? I hear. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Uh, it would play to the base who would be good and it would win back the women vote that they need to uh, compa- uh, get, go up against. Uh, oh, good. Some identity politics from Chris Brown this evening. What's oh, who's your sh- other choice? Shocker. Um, Dr. No, Mr. No on Calgary city council. 
Oh, were you not around during the McIver years? Come on, girl. You think? <laughs> no, 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 no. And I'm looking at you because I'm surprised you're saying Rick McIver. I didn't. I didn't think of Rick McIver. I don't think he would be interested. I Do you? I don't I think, think he would he, want it. I, I think he wants it. Ugh. Can he you have Rick the, McIver on the show and ask him for me? I, hey, I Rick, are you listening? I would love to have him on, but I will say Are this. you the guy? Rick McIver has the best job right now. He's municipal How affairs. Oh, so? uh, yeah, yeah. How do you shore up support municipally wise? You go around to all the cities. You go around to all the little uh, counties and the hamlets and you talk, talk to the Reeves. You, you talk to the people, Bob Dole style. Can you have Rick McIver on and ask him these questions, please? Rick, if hey. you're listening, will you come on this podcast? Jen and I would love to chat, sit down and chat with you. Oh, I'm part of it now. Okay, hey, cool. it's basically our show. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, for oh those God, who are wondering, think- she she sent me a message at like 9.30 or 8.30 this morning at night. I said, hey, do you want to do a pod? I'm like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm scheduling these podcasts now. I just couldn't believe you're not reaching out to me. I thought, I wonder if I've done something. Um, I was so, in the middle of an yeah, okay, so, But anyway, so McIver and Lahir. So listen, Okay, a here, no, no, ma'am, no way, no, ma'am. Doesn't have the depth in the bench, and she, I don't think she has the the will. I think when there would be time times to make tough decisions, I don't think she can pivot enough. Uh, McIver, I did not think of, but I get it. Okay, so we talked about Hinshaw's got to go. Kenny Chandra's a mess, but uh, excuse me, excuse me, we have to talk about Trudeau now. Let's talk about it because um, before the interview started, before we started sitting down and we chatting about this, she gave me a list of things that she wanted to talk. And I said, I was going to push back on her a bit when it comes to Trudeau. But at the end of the day, federally is where it's at. Federally is the vaccine procurement. Federally is where the PR information is coming out from, but federally Justin Trudeau launched into an election in the midst of a fourth wave. Now, love them or hate them, and I know there are people in this province who don't even appear into those two categories and probably would despise them or want to do things to him that we cannot say on this podcast because I would love to have him sit down for a future interview. But I want to know your opinion on the leadership of the fourth wave with Justin Trudeau, Jen. Justin Trudeau asked Canadians to sacrifice that he asked Canadians to trust the government, that he asked Canadians to sacrifice a little bit more. But then when it came time for him to get something that he needed, he throws us into an election. I totally agree with the criticism that comes from Jagmeet Singh, sorry, Jagmeet Singh, that comes from Aaron O'Toole, that comes from Annemie Paul, that comes from Yves-Francois Blanchet, that comes from Maxime Bernier, that says you calling an election right now is selfish and reckless. And Alberta's problems today prove that point. Beastie's problems with wildfire proved that point. Manitoba's problems with vaccine rates and, and access to the vaccine proved that point. This is so ridiculous and so reckless. If we have vaccine hesitancy because of disinformation, that's because the federal government is responsible for allowing a disinformation campaign to infiltrate into how we how we vaccinate, how we come to understand being vaccinated. I think we actually have real tangible problems now. We have to go to the polls in four days. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? There's going to be restrictions. We're going to put polling workers at, at risk. The six feet apart, I voted on the, on, the, on the very first hour, on the very first day. And I can tell you that there were 40 people in front of me and it took me an hour to vote. 
So we're going to have problems now on election day. And I think that that's a, that's a real tragedy that you're going to have the potential to have Albertans say, we just got an emergency alert. I'm not going out. I'm not going to vote. And how much does that become a democratic problem? How much does that become a legal democratic problem? Then you also have the issue of all of the people who have already cast their vote. People like me have already cast their vote who are now asking the question, well, wait a minute, if we're going back into a lockdown, what happens to CERB and the other programs that are slated to end on the third, on the 23rd of October? Now I want to know where my candidates stand on that, but I've already cast my vote. This is absolutely a mess. And it is a failure, most importantly, of data, data driven evidence based decision making. Dina Hinshaw's data forced her to make a decision that Kenny made the same decision, but you best know that the federal government also had that same modeling. So I want to know who from the federal government, who from the prime minister's office is going to go to the public tomorrow morning and tell me we looked at the modeling and we were also prepared to take the risk. That sounded so prepared, but I'm just like, Chris looks mad. You guys, Chris looks mad. I'm serious, Chris. I'm, Mr. Aaron O'Toole wanted to plunge us into an election in wave two. The moment after he became prime uh, leader of the opposition, he basically Aaron O'Toole was not the Aaron, prime, Aaron O'Toole's not the prime minister. This lies solely with the prime cannot, minister. You cannot. Aaron call O'Toole this. is basically a hypocrite if he says it to Justin Trudeau, "Why'd you call this election?" He has been baiting Justin Trudeau into calling an election since basically he became leader of the opposition. Jugmeet Singh. He's also honest. been baiting the prime minister to to reinstate parliament. He's also been baiting the prime minister to have meaningful debate about bills that he's trying to pass. Meaningful debate. This is, the conservative this is, bench this is not. This is not an issue. This bench. is not an issue of Aaron O'Toole. This is an issue of the prime minister saying, how can I be successful while people in Alberta are dying? Okay. But at the same time, conservatives went to the polls in New Brunswick. We were okay with that during a pandemic. The NDP went to the polls in the middle I of the pandemic. I wasn't okay with it. I wasn't okay with it. I but was Aaron O'Toole, to Jake any other to be election. Okay with that during the pandemic when people were dying in New Brunswick and BC, and yet again the Jagmeet Singh and uh, Aaron O'Toole seem to be very okay with cozying up to Blaine Higgs and uh, John Horgan. I just see. I think it's very hypocritical of both of those leaders to be saying that. Oh, we're so pissed off that the federal election was called. Understandable. It's a fourth wave. Delta is a lot different. I do not agree with Delta this election. Delta is different. I do not agree with this election, but I do. I do take credence to the fact that Aaron O'Toole and Jagmeet Singh have been campaigning basically with provincial leaders across this country during this election, during the Nova Scotia election, during the New Brunswick election, during the freaking BC election. And yet again, now the fact that they actually have to go out and do it. Oh, no, we have to do something wrong. Understandable. People are fucking dying. People are pissed off. Okay, so then take Aaron O'Toole and take Jagmeet Singh out of it. How do you rationalize that within the PMO, they would have looked at the modeling, looked at the threats to Delta, looked at the looked at the vaccination challenges in the West and and said, let's go anyway. How do you justify that? Because you had a premier who's telling his people open for summer. You had a premier of Saskatchewan saying open for summer. We're good. We're the pandemic's behind us. We're not going to go into a lockdown anymore. You have to re- you also have to look at the provincial leaders because as a conservative, you are very much a prov- province first. You don't want to overstep the boundaries. You don't want to overstep the boundaries when it comes to healthcare. You don't want to overstep the boundaries when it comes to uh, uh, trade. But yet again, when the pro- the federal government actually decides to do something, oh no, we ha- we're all pissed off because the federal government's overreaching. Aaron O'Toole has tried to f- uh, tr- 
topple this government a few times with the votes of non-confidence. Bloc Quebecois and the NDP have basically said, okay, we're going to support you. But at the end of the day, Justin Trudeau had to do what he had to do. I'm not agreeing with what he did. I'm not agreeing with how he did it. But it is what we're in the midst of an election. If you cast why does ballot, this prime minister, why does this prime minister continue to get such a pass? Like, uh, oh, I Jason Kenney said it's fine. Let's yourself. go. No, that was me. Hold on, two seconds. <laughs> that was me. I, I, I literally un. <laughs> You're I, so bad. I was pissed. Look at us. Look at us being all fiery tonight. <laughs> <laughs> So let me get back into this because I want to clean edit. Hold on, because why does? Hold on, hold on. Something's not working. Oh, there we go. Okay, Uh, and action. Why does this prime minister continue to get such a free pass? I absolutely reject the narrative, and I cannot believe it's coming from you that says, "Well, because Kenny said it's open for summer, I guess we can call an election." You had an opportunity. You have experts. You have Patty and 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 Teresa Tam and and all your other goons. You had the opportunity absolutely to look at the same modeling for yourself and make a decision. That's what being a leader is. And the last I checked, he wanted to be the top dog leader of this country. He had an absolute responsibility. I, there is no excuse for him calling in an election at this time. No excuse. And I don't want to make it about political posturing. I don't want to make it about an opportunistic statement for for O'Toole here and an opportunistic statement for Jagmeet Singh here. I want to make this about the fact that he had an opportunity to look at the same data that was available to to every possible health leader, whether it's federal, municipal or provincial, and say, this is not the right time. There's too much of a risk. And I think we have a real downline problem here in Alberta as we head to the polls. It's a different election, but we're halfway through. I mean, how many people voted in the advanced polls? The polls were busy. People have now cast a vote that are now going to be saying, is this where I really wanted to cast my vote? And what is voting day going to look like? What if people stay home? You want to talk about restricting people's movement? Then stop putting them in such a miserable position to have to do so. This is just so irresponsible. And I, 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 I'm I'm pissed at Kenny and I'm pissed at Henshaw. I think one of those two or both have to go. But I also think that the prime minister has to stop and say, I have a real constitutional problem here now in Alberta because I we now have real restrictions about how they can come out and vote. <laughs> Chris is now laying down. <laughs> Elections Canada came out early in May, said If we are still in a pandemic during an election, we would be ready. We will give opportune time and ample options for people to vote. You had until six o'clock today, if you were afraid to go to the ballot boxes, to request a mail-in ballot. You had until the end of day today to do that. Yet again, this is not the probably opportune time here in Alberta to request request that because it came out at six o'clock. And yet again, we are. And the announcement uh, came out at six o'clock. The alert exactly. came out at 710. Exactly. Understandable. For those who have been, who are pissed off that you might have to go wait in line for an hour and a half. I'm not, yet again, I'm not saying what Justin Trudeau did was right. I am not. I'm just saying there are ample ways for everyone to cast their ballot if they do not want to line up at the mail, at the, at the ballot box. 
I will be uh, there hard pause, day. hard pause, because you're making my statement now. It is too late to request a mail in ballot because you had until 6 p.m. today and the announcement came out at 6 p.m. today. And I'm not talking about people being inconvenienced by ni- a 90 minute wait or a two hour wait or whatever. That's you know, we've all had to wait in long lines to vote and we're proud to do so as part of our democratic right. What I'm talking about is what about a, po- a segment of the population that don't feel safe to vote? What about their constitutional right to freedom of movement? freedom of expression and an ability to participate in the democratic process. How does the prime minister address that tomorrow morning? He doesn't. That's my question. He doesn't. The issue. Then how does Elections Canada address it? Because it has to be addressed. The same way you had ample time to vote on election on advanced vote days. You had you can come into the Elections Canada office during this week, cast your ballot if you want. Anytime from eight to nine during the opening hours. And I'm yet again, I'm not trying to be glib about this. I'm just saying how elections can do would react. You have ample opportunities to still vote if you do not want to wait in line on election day. Yet again, people who are afraid to go cast their ballot because of COVID-19 are probably pissed off right now. People who have voted and voted for a party over another party are probably pissed off right now because of what Jason Kenney or Justin Trudeau has put us into. I think, I think there is a population out there that will go to the ballots no matter what. No matter what happened, they were going to go to the ballot box. We are four days away from Election Day. This was not something that we did not see coming. You and I both will agree to that. We did not. We we saw this trend coming for the last few weeks. Last since Labor Day, we have seen rise in case numbers, rise in deaths. This is not something we have not seen coming. People will get out and vote. I have faith and trust in the people that they will vote. And if that this doesn't spark a light uh, light a spark under someone asked to get out and vote against Justin Trudeau, I don't know what will. I hope it does. I think aside from people, you also have to look at the policy piece of this, right? We have CERB and other other benefits set to expire on October 23rd. We've lost an opportunity now to demand or, or to ask of our of our candidates and our respective writings, like what is the government's plan? Because I'm headed back into a lockdown and I don't know what's going to happen with these with these benefits. And I think people who are working who have been opposed to these benefits also don't have the opportunity to say, like, what are you what are you going to do um, with these benefits? And I, I so aside from the people piece around having the efficacy to vote, I think you also have to look at the policy of this being so dysfunctional because now we're not getting all the information we need from our candidates as we cast our ballots because some of us have already cast our ballots and the rest of us only have four days to figure this out. And this is what happens when you have an election in a crisis. This is what happens when you have an election in a crisis. And you saw this same grab for information provincially during the BC election. There were still things that are unfolding. And I think a lot of people cast their vote and now we're like, oh, I've we'd kind of waited until this was over. I think I would have voted differently. And I think ultimately then the BC, the BC uh, provincial government will be headed back to the polls. I just think, why couldn't the government have said we're propped up by the NDP. We're propped up by the block. We're still passing legislation. We're still holding back the conservatives. I'm going to do my four-year mandate because that's the sacrifice I make after asking Canadians to sacrifice for, for just as long. I just don't understand why there's such asymmetry here. And then we wonder why we don't trust our government. 
I don't think we trust our government at any level. So that's, that's here nor there. Like, I don't think Justin. I love like, hearing that from a man with a political podcast. That's my favorite thing to hear from you as the I, I architect think, of a political podcast. I, I, I think it's true. I think there are people out there and I think people vote for color. I do not think they vote for people. And I, I wish people voted for people. That's why I bring candidates onto this show because I want to talk about these issues. Now, to get to your point about SERP, to get to your point about the Canadian wage benefits, to t- talk about these issues, why weren't you talking about them back in August? This pandemic did not just start yet again today because we are now in a lockdown. We knew that the fourth wave was still ongoing. Why weren't we asking Aaron O'Toole, what is your opinion on SERP? Will you extend it past October 23rd? Why were we not asking Justin Trudeau? It's coming up on October 3rd. Want to know why? Because it wasn't the name of the game. Politics is like that. Want to know what people were talking about during this election? One thing, and it's going to piss you off when I say this. They were talking about Justin Trudeau and guns. Yeah, guns and climate change and reconciliation. And I, I get it. Listen, I get it. And I think we should have been asking that. And for and for the record, every question that I submitted to the CBC face to face forum to the election, every submission that I that I that I sent in was about immediate pandemic compensation, because I do think that there's a divergence in all the parties about what they're going to do. And I wanted to know, like, what are you going to do and how are you going to pay for it? And I think that was a pretty disciplined question to ask and sadly was never selected. So and for the record, I'm on it. And when candidates came to my and when candidates came to my door, I asked about it <laughs> because I, I want to know. I want to know because there's a lot of octane about it. When people talk about online, I was listening to uh, I was I was reading a tweet from a woman today who said, you know, I'm a hiring manager at a, at a major organization and anybody who accepted serve money, I'm not going to hire because I know them to be lazy people. And I thought, ooh, whoa. And she had like a ton of comments underneath. And I think that this is this is going to be something of national discourse. Right. How are we going to support people that need support? How do we define what that support is? What are we going to do about the CERB program? Are we now a country of universal basic income? What does that mean for us as a country? These are questions that I'm asking. So uh, do I think that they should have gotten more resonance in a a public discourse? Absolutely. I think you and I are united on that. But But, that's the issue. That's the issue. But now it has a renewed urgency. And the reason why it has renewed urgency is because things are still unfolding because we're having an election in a crisis. And we should not be having that. And okay. Justin Trudeau now needs to be held account for this. I'm going to ask you And this I will not be dissuaded from this point because I, I know that there's people who agree with me. I, and I completely agree with you. I, I believe there's a large percent of the population who believe, I believe there's a 30% of the population believe that he, Justin Trudeau did the wrong thing. I think there's like 30% of the population that believe Justin Trudeau did the right thing. I think there's 11% and of the population And there's 30% that backs- of the population that believes, that believes Justin Trudeau is a unicorn. So this is this. I think we are thinking way too much into this. I and this this is my honest opinion. This is my honest opinion here. This and this is going to piss you off a lot. We are in a bubble. You and I are politically engaged. I think you and I are more politically engaged than I would say. 98% of the population on Twitter is, and that's including some of the political people on Twitter. (laughs) I will say this. People who have cast their ballots have made their decision. I think there's a large population who have cast their ballots 
who no matter what happened today at six o'clock wouldn't have mattered how they would have voted. I think there is a small 2% of the population who are pissed off. Understandable. That's why I wait till election day. I'm willing to stand in line on election day and wait and wait for my hour and a half, two hours, three hours, however long it is to cast my ballot. I think at the end of the day, the chips will fall where they fall. Aaron O'Toole, Justin Trudeau, no matter who becomes prime minister on October 21st, it doesn't matter because we are all in this together. We all have to sacrifice and how we get out of this pandemic is not because of Justin Trudeau or Aaron O'Toole. It is the people who make up Canada. It is that 30% of the population who still needs to get vaccinated. It is the people who are misinformed about where this this country is going when it comes to vaccinations. I think Canadians have to start talking to each other and that's where my show comes in. Welcome to the Cross-Border Interview Podcast, plug there. We need to start talking. We need to start getting away from social media and Twitter because it's been the, the downfall of society. And Aaron O'Toole and Justin Trudeau, whoever's prime minister on September 21st, has a long road ahead of them. That's... Were you hoping that all of that would be set to the soundtrack of Chariots of Fire? Ba, 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 ba. <laughs> because I think the reality therapy part of this is that I don't think we feel like we're more of a community having come out of this. I mean, neighbors reported neighbors for COVID violations. People learned that they would listen and there was largely no reward. I mean, like the series of events, you sacrificed a Christmas with your family while your member of, while your MLA went to Hawaii, you know, you were told to get vaccinated. So you went and got vaccinated. And then you find out later that people who waited are going to be financially compensated. It's it's a mess out there. And I think that's why I have a podcast called Conservative Like Me, because we have to start asking the question of whoa, what whoa, is whoa, the difference whoa, between. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have a podcast called Jen and <laughs> Kevin date somebody. <laughs> oh, my God. Kyle. Stop it. I have I have conservative like me is where I take these policy issues to the table. And I think on this issue, we have to understand that because we're having an election and a crisis, we still can't conflate the difference between the statements of the prime minister to win an election and the statements of the prime minister to demonstrate leadership as the prime minister of Canada. And let me not conflate the two. What I'm looking for tomorrow morning is for him to stand up front and to start to talk about how complicated this is going to be for Alberta and how much Alberta is in a crisis. And Alberta isn't the only province in a crisis. And I think that that type of leadership is being sorely missed. I share your same concern. Are we going to see this type of leadership from any of the other, any other of the other candidates hoping to have that top job. But the reality is, is that today, Justin Trudeau has that top job. And now I want him to atone for what he's done. I want Kenny to atone for what he's done. I want Hinshaw to not atone, just pack a small banker's box and be on her way. I think that there just comes a time where this rising level of frustration must be addressed by some element of reality therapy. And I don't share this concern that we're all just going to say, well, you know, our government fails us, but we're all in this together. People are going to get really isolated and they're going to start to say i'm angry and maybe that's the rise that you're seeing of fringe parties so i i just don't share your your magical view of of canada right now i think that it's just not there and i think the fish stinks from the head 
I might be looking at it with the a different lens on because I see people right now who are running around tattling on their neighbors who are pissed off that they have to wear masks. And I'm going through fucking my own shit right now, right? Don't get me wrong. I have a totally. tumor pressing on my fucking occipital lobe. Um, this this isn't one where I was going to come out and say this, but I am. I have early onset Alzheimer's. I am losing my mind. I am. I I'm looking at it from a different lens. I'm looking at it as you know what there are bigger things in this world right now. Than wearing a fucking mask, than worrying about that thirty percent of the population who have to get vaccinated, and I, 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 I'm not trying to sound assholeish when I say that. I just, I, I, I want the days of when we could actually, you know, walk down the street and actually know your neighbors without the fear of fucking getting yelled at, being called an anti-Semite, being accused of fucking destroying children because we're putting vaccines in them. Like where is the world of 1990? And I don't think it just started this year, last year with the pandemic, this has been a evolving issue and we have to look at it in a different perspective. And I, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. And yet again, if you want to play the fucking sound of music soundtrack, when I'm saying this, if you want to play the chariots of fire, if you want to play the jaws music, whatever soundtrack you want to play behind this, go ahead. I'm going to say this. We can do this. It doesn't take a fucking country to fucking get everyone election to get everyone on the same track. It takes a city it takes a neighborhood it takes a conversation between two people we hit it out of the park at the beginning of this gen mm-hmm. have that conversation with somebody you know what i know people are going to be scared to go vote on tuesday i know justin trudeau is not going to come out tomorrow and say he's sorry for putting this election on the people of alberta and all of canada aaron o'toole is going to come out tomorrow and say see people this is what's going to happen end of the day, it's not going to sway votes because the pandemic is not what's on people's minds. And it's not the narrative that is the election. Well, well, if you want to have the last, if you want to have the last word, that's where it comes in. If you want to add one more thing, I'll say this as part of a large community that's supporting you, that cares deeply about you, that's watching you fight cancer and and worry about the state of your of your mind, which is the sharpest thing that we come to love about you. It's utterly tragic to see that unvaccinated people are holding you back from the care that will save your life. We're fr- we're frustrated. I know I'm not the only one that's frustrated by by this. And I don't I don't want to I don't want to steal your thunder here, but I agree that civility is the way forward. The cornerstone of civility will always be stability. And that's where the government comes into play. It can't be up to civic society alone to fix this. There's a role for the government in this to create that stability so that we can create strong communities. And I feel that way federally, provincially and municipally. And so do you. That's why you have every candidate you can find on your podcast. I think that we, we want to create a community. I share your vision of a community. I share your frustration. I love that we have this kind of discourse, 
but I think if you're someone that's listening to this podcast right now, hear what the host of this podcast is saying. This gets really personal, really fast for all of us. And for Chris, it's cancer. For you listening, it might be your mental health. For all of us, there's something at stake here. For some people like Chris, it's so serious. Governing leadership has to get in tune with that. And that's not a political issue. That's not a political party issue. That's just a statement of fact. I am not sure. I, I hate always having, I hate following up with you because you always, I almost started to cry there, but I didn't. I'm holding it together. I'm not Dr. Dina Hinshaw. I'm going to hold it together for this last statement. I don't know where I'm voting. I don't know who I'm voting for. I know which, uh, which uh, riding I'm voting for. I don't know what party. I voted for all of the above in the last election. I think I was the only person who gave the centrist party an actual vote last time because I voted for every single fucking party. Oh, you were the guy. Exactly. I was that guy. I was the one who spoiled his ballot because at the end of the day, this is going to sound bad. There's not much difference between the top three parties. You look at but their there's platform. also not much. Go ahead. There's also not much difference between Canadians. Exactly. There's also not much difference between Canadians. We we sit at the center of that spectrum, despite what our political leadership tries to tell us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I I I, I was going to do an endorsement episode on Sunday. I was going to talk about the 36 day campaign, but. I still might. I still might bring Jen on to talk about the 36 days of the campaign and where we think this is going to fall and who's going to be right at the 11% or 2% for the People's Party of Canada. I think I'm right. I'm already getting a chicken. I'm already getting a steak dinner in Ward 9 once this fucking pandemic ends. But I I will say this. Aaron O'Toole, if you're the prime minister, go for it. Do your best. Justin Trudeau, I wish you the best as well. Jason Kenney, I might disagree with you politically, but go do what you need to do. Dr. Dina Hinshaw, like Jen said, I think there's a banker box in the legislative legislative assembly of Alberta that has your name on it. Go pick it up, go fill up the box and walk out the front door. If your information that you're giving Kenny is not being addressed, if you're giving wrong information, it's time to walk away. Shandro, keep being Shandro. Just, you know, enjoy your life. Enjoy being health. I, I, you seem to be enjoying it. Rick McIver, come on the show. Talk to us. Be the next leader of the UCP. Leela here. Seats always open for you as well. Jen and I would be happy to talk to anyone who wants to come on the show. But I will say this. At the end of the day, I want the best for Canada. Justin Trudeau, you fucked up on this one. I will admit that. You fucked up royally on this one. You, You hedged your bets on calling this election. You went to the polls. You're probably going to lose some seats. Probably not. You're probably not going to lose government, but you're going to probably be reduced minority. That's where I stand on this. Jen, last word to you, because I don't want to I don't want to be the Debbie Downer because I feel like I've been the Debbie Downer for the last 20 minutes. No, you're doing good. You're doing good. I will say that, you know, there's for anybody who feels 
like they're not prepared to guide Canadians through to a place of civility and stability. We have bankers boxes available for all of you. Cross-border interview podcast bankers boxes are available on our website, on your website. We could totally do that. Um, With that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Greatly appreciate it. We will be back Sunday. I'm not sure, but we will be back Monday. Seven o'clock, Jen and I are going to do the long haul. This is going to be an interesting night of two complete polar opposites on a lot of issues, but not a lot of issues, surprisingly. Talking about the election, the election results as they come in. We have writings that we're going to be watching and looking at. By the time we get on air, the election's probably going to be called in Ontario, so it won't matter in the West, but we still have some writings that we want to look at. So without further ado, I want to thank everyone for tuning in for the Cross Border Interview Podcast. At the top of the 12 o'clock hour, we will be releasing the audio version for the Katarina Wright, the Green Party of Canada, Green Party of Canada candidate for Calgary Rocky Ridge. So please tune into that. And then yet again, like I said, Sunday we'll be back and then Monday as well. Anyway, with that further ado, have yourself an excellent night, Jet and morning, because this is being released in the morning, not the night when we're recording it. Jed, thank you so much. The Ballot Box was produced and edited by Miranda Brown and Associates Incorporated.